Right, let me, let, as we say, this is a perspiration morning and it's just increasing, isn't it? Which of us have gone through the traumas with teenagers? Oh, my. Oh, yes. I, I, I mean, I loved our kids being teenagers, but some of you've got it to come. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and, you know, let me, let's just imagine this sort of scenario. There's a young person, either male or female, that's why I've done it that way. Um, yeah, male or female, they're sort of sp- a, a, occupying the sofa, which is for three people, and they're taking up four spaces, whatever. And, and uh, uh, mum or dad says, just call upstairs to your brother and sister and say, dinner is ready, come down. And so teenager, who's spread out on the, on the sofa, says, come down. <laughs> and so parent then says, that's no good. Why don't you go up and call them? And then teenager, next, next bit, says... It should work. Here we go. Says, oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that one? And, and they sort of slouch up upstairs to get brother or sister. You know, whatever. Well, today I'm going to talk about whatever. But not in a bad way like that. But in a wonderful passage from Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 onwards to 13, and here we go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice. Greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. There are some amazing verses and promises in that entire passage. I'm going to leave for the moment verses 6 and 7, but we will come back to them because they are fantastic truths that Paul sets out. And I'm I'm going to look at three whatevers. And they are, number one, whatever, consider. Number two, whatever, copy. And oh boy, I'm searching for alliteration. And here comes number three. (laughs) Whatever, contentment. So three whatevers today. Let's have a look 
at where we're going. Whatever, consider. Now, Paul, Paul in verse 8 seems to be just encouraging us to think beautiful thoughts. You know, he says, um, he says, whatever it is, is true, whatever is noble, etc., 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 think about such things. You know, it is good to have beautiful thoughts. And they are important. It is, it is right that our thinking is right. Because Paul says elsewhere in, in Romans, we are transformed by the renewal of our minds. So our minds affect a lot of who we are. So yeah, it's good to think good thoughts. And, and if that's as far as you get with this, hang on to it. It's good to think good thoughts because we are transformed in that way. We become more like Jesus. But many people believe, and I'm one of them, that actually Paul is getting at something a, a lot more here than just thinking beautiful thoughts. And there's a lot of technical stuff involved, which I'm not going to bore you with. But actually, the words that Paul uses here are different to the words he usually uses. Now, you can see that in the Greek. You can't see it in the English. That's the sort of thing. You know that. that so it doesn't come out in our translations in that way. But the words he uses are quite different. And they are words that are used in the society that is around the Christians in Philippi. He is not using especially spiritual Old Testament or New Testament Christian words. He's using words that were used out there. Oh, and it's as if Paul is saying, you know, around you, Christians in Philippi, there's a lot that is wrong, and we know that. There's a lot in the society that you live in that God doesn't approve of. We know that. But there's also a lot out there that is good. And it's, it's as if he's saying, think of the good things out there. Reject, the, reject what's not good, but think of the good stuff. So, he said, accept what is excellent and praiseworthy. In other words, you might be surprised, but God approves, actually, of some of the stuff out there. And that's true for us. You know, some of us are quite worried about what's going on in society. In this country, and actually, if you, if you keep your ear to the news, it's happening all over the world. We're quite worried about it. And so we should be concerned. But God is saying, yeah, that's right. But there's also stuff out there that's good. There is. So Paul says, whatever, whatever is true. Do you know, scientific truth is God's truth. It is. It's great. There should be and 
ought not to be, no conflict between being a believer in Jesus and a scientist. No. There's good stuff out there. All sorts of truth. I can't go into it all. But we could spend ages on this sort of thing, but I'm not going to. We'll never get there if we don't. Did you know, there's a lot out there that's worthy of respect. You know, there are people in Beckles, Bungie, Halesworth, wherever you live, who are serving the community well. They don't believe in Jesus, but they're serving the community well. And that deserves our respect. Wow. There's a lot of things out there in God's estimation, because it's got to be excellent and praiseworthy, that's right. You know, it is right that society is concerned about poverty and people who can't pay their bills. And that's the sort of thing we should be concerned with. There are things that are right. This is a bit harder. Purity here means untouched by evil. Hmm. You know, in one sense, as as believers, we say everything is tainted by the fall, yes? You know, when Adam sinned, everything was affected. But there is stuff out there. You know, what about... What about... And let me draw some contrast here. What about an amazing symphony, Beethoven or whoever your favourite composer is? Fantastic. Or what about a good bit of rhythm and blues? Okay? There's good stuff out there. And there's a lot that's lovable. Do you know, when I saw this and and, and that, do you know what my first thought was? It wasn't very spiritual. It was, Stevie Wonder, isn't she lovely? (laughs) Ah, one of my all-time (laughs) favourites. Oh, I love Stevie Wonder. That shows you, doesn't it? And anyway. <laughs> but, it, you know, a baby. Lovable. There are things out there that are lovable. Oh, I could go on. Admirable, well spoken of. You know, people are doing good things. Stuff that's good. You, you get the idea. I can't unpack this as, as I could. But what we're saying, there's a, there's a lot out there that God likes. Yeah. And you know, our trouble as believers, and I include myself at times, is that rather than engaging, getting involved, we withdraw. And then we throw hand grenades into society and say, this is wrong or that is wrong. Now we should do some of that. We have to stand up for what God, God wants. And there are things, which I'm not going into, but I'm sure your mind can think, think of stuff, where we ought to say, this is not right. But if that's all we do, we come across as negative, judgmental, and perhaps at times a little hypocritical. Take, take Extinction Rebellion. Well, who's heard of Extinction Rebellion? Oh, yeah, Greta, whatever her name is, you know? Let's, let's go and glue ourselves to the, the surface of the M25 and hold up the, tra- oh, hold up the traffic. 
What are they concerned about? They're, they're concerned about the climate emergency as they see it. They're concerned that the earth is warming up. Is their concern right? Yeah, it probably is. Their methods, we might think, you ain't going to get me doing that. And I've got problems with it. You know, when it, it blocks the passage of, of ambulances on emergency calls. I mean, maybe you can go along with it, fine. But we as Christians should be concerned for nature, for the world, for climate change. And actually, tear funding, which I can't get to, obviously because I'm in Romania, but tear fund are concerned for it. And leading the way in a Christian sense about on that. We should be concerned. So there's a lot out there Yeah, we have to reject some of it, but we can embrace some of it. Or racism. I hope we would all agree that everyone has equal value before God, whatever the colour of their skin, their background, their ethnicity, or whatever. But that doesn't mean to say we have to take on board, here we go, critical race theory which says that you're either oppressed or an oppressor and sorry guys white middle class probably middle aged males are the most oppressive class in the world we don't have to take on that nonsense but we should be concerned that racism in all its forms is wrong and the church should be a living demonstration of that because there's no Jew or Greek slave or free, male or female in Christ, we're all we're all one aren't we I think yeah, we are so consider good, lovely thoughts are good but there's more to it than that. Let's consider what God approves and yes, reject what he doesn't. So Paul then says, verse 9, he says, so whatever, the second whatever, whatever you've learned or received or heard from or seen in me, put into practice. In other words, copy me. Gosh, you take that verse out of context and it seems the most arrogant, proud thing to say. You rip it out of context and you say, what does Paul say? Copy me? Who does he think he is? Is he saying his life is perfect? Is he saying that he never does anything wrong? Is he saying that he's the perfect example of of the way you should behave, the way you should speak? Or anything? Copy me? Now we have to put it into context, don't we? Of course we do. This is, this is it. The context here, not just the biblical context, but the whole thing is genuine friendship. Paul loves these Philippian Christians. He really does. He has a beautiful relationship with them. 
He thanks God for them. He rejoices over them. And in that sort of situation where there is mutual love, trust, respect, he can say, what you see in me as I consider those things, you do the same. Copy me. And not not just in this area, but all that I'm saying as I write to you. And not just that, but remember what we were when we were together, when I was in Philippi. You don't have to copy everything that (laughs) is in me, otherwise you'll be really up the creek without a paddle. But what you see of what I've said, you copy. Let's do it together. How does that apply to us? Well, do you know, we can easily copy each other. You're in your small group. And you, you know, you're worshipping together, you're studying the Bible together, you're praying together. To quote James, you're eating together. (laughs) (laughs) You're having fun together. That's all right. Nigel and I have, have teased James about, he's always on about food. Which, <laughs> James, if you're listening to this, forgive me. <laughs> you know, you're playing together, enjoying yourself together. And you, we see things in each other. And we say, yeah, I, can, I don't consciously decide to copy that. But you can find that you do. You start imitating each other because you think that's good I like what she does I like how how she's responded to that I like his attitude and you think yeah because I see that not only in him or her I see it in Jesus and I can copy which is the sort of thing Paul was saying You know, um, at college, the most horrific thing that happened to you when I was at college was sermon class. You had to preach in front of all the college and all the teachers. It was horrible. I don't think I learned a thing from my preach you learn from other people you were just so glad to get the thing over that's what happened but there was one guy and he became a very good preacher actually one guy he stood up in the college pulpit and I'm not wearing a jacket now I haven't worn a jacket when I preached for years but he was wearing a, a suit as you did in those days and he grabbed hold of his lapel and sort of tucked his hand around it so he was he was clutching his jacket the whole time and uh, somebody made comment on, on this afterwards uh, and said, oh yeah. And somebody else said, well, you know why he does it? Because that's what his pastor does. <laughs> all, the t- all the time, he, he did that. Another, another guy, um, he, I remember him preaching, and I, I've got an alliteration here, I know. But he, he was doing a, a preach, and, and the alliteration was very forced. 
You know, uh, you thought you really should have chosen another word. And, and, and again, someone said, well, you know why he does it? Because that's what his pastor always does. Every single person, sermon had alliteration. And before you uh, say anything about me, yes, <laughs> yes, my pastor used to wander around the pulpit. <laughs> and I think that's where you pick it up. You see, we pick up from, we pick up from each other. No, nobody said, do that. You just found yourself doing it. And isn't that, isn't that how, how we can have an influence on each other? You know, that's, that's amazing. It's wonderful. But it's also a bit scary. Oh, please, don't pick up any of my bad habits. That's, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You know, you know, you know what I mean? As, as we have friendship, fellowship, and we're together like that, we, we can pick up from each other. I must rush on. I really must. And the other thing, next final whatever, contentment. Paul then goes on to say, I'm glad that you've sent me your gift. I know you couldn't do it beforehand because you were prevented, but now I'm really glad that you, you can uh, give, give it to me. And so it, it's, he's, he's almost saying, thank you very much. I know you couldn't. Oh, but by the way, I understand why you couldn't. And I want you to know that although I appreciate your gift, I am very, uh, I can, I'm content whatever the situation I'm in. And, and so that, that's, that's what he's saying. He's trying to come in. But do you know what Paul says? He says he's learned it. He's learned. It didn't come to him instantly. He had to learn what it was to be at peace, to be content, to know the security that he had in Christ Jesus. He had to learn it. Sometimes we seem to have the attitude that these things should come instantly. They don't. If Paul had to learn it, then I tell you, I've got to learn it, and I guess so have you. And it isn't easy. It, Paul has said that following Jesus in every situ, any and every situation, I've had to learn what it is like. And he's saying, really, what have I learned? whether I'm facing plenty or want whether life is easy or difficult whether I'm feeling blessed or it's spiritually tough actually with Jesus I've got enough and I tell you what that's not an easy position to come to. Has to be learned. I'd like to say this, and it, it sort of fits in with where we've been this morning. If you are struggling as a believer, as a Christian, or just struggling with life in general at the moment, you're wondering where God is 
You're wondering if you're being faithful. You're wondering if you're really trusting Jesus. That does not make you an inferior Christian. Nothing to do with it. And you might think, oh, I'm not as good a Christian as she is or he is. No. Paul had to learn, and so do we. So if you're struggling, if life's difficult, you're learning. It's part of how God is teaching you. I could add, if life is going swimmingly and great, you're learning. Life isn't always easy. Being a Christian isn't always fun. When we were in Spain, we met a guy that we got talking to and somehow it came out that he said, well, about Christians, and we said, well, we're we belong to a charismatic evangelical church. Oh, he said, you're happy clappy then. I said, well, yeah, that's a very inadequate description, but sometimes we're miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because life can be difficult. Let's face up to it. Life can be difficult. And you might feel you're struggling. But I want to say, first of all, on this thing, you're not an inferior Christian if you're struggling. You are not. It's made no difference to your standing in Jesus. Made no difference. You are who you are who you are. So, let's come back to verses 6 and 7, which is about peace or wholeness. Yeah, there's joy in this passage, but actually the stronger theme is this. It's a connecting theme that's running right the way through. Joy is there, but it's peace that is the answer to anxiety. Paul says, you're anxious, pray. Pray and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Peace. Something God gives you. Actually, if we want to think as God thinks, we need to be at peace. Not all over the place. And God can give that. And if we're facing difficult situations... What is the thing we need? Shalom. Peace. Here we are. This is, this is the connection that we can have. No matter what I find out there, whatever is, is good or whatever is bad out there, I can face it with peace. Whatever circumstances that I know in my own life Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm struggling with or or even feeling success with, I can know the peace of God. You see, there are these promises. The peace of God, which trans all understanding, 
will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's a promise for you. That's a promise this morning for you. No matter what, there's shalom for you. Because he says in verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. He's with you. Amazing. And he also says, therefore, I can do all this, not everything, it, the, you know, it's, there's been a bit of misunderstanding about that, that, this verse, but let's not worry about that. I can do all this, that is, I can cope with every and any situation. How? Well, I've got the peace, which is guarding my heart and mind. I have the God of peace, who is with me. And it's through Jesus who makes all this real by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a fantastic promise? That's something you can take home today. Peace be with you. That's not just a thing we can say in church. That's a blessing, a reality we can know. Peace to you. Peace to you. And peace to you. And peace to you. And you. And me. Peace. Guarding our hearts. Protecting our minds. Holding us close to Jesus. Let's just pause. Lord, we've already reached out to you. We've asked you to fill us with your spirit today. And I believe, Lord, that there are some of us here who are struggling. There are external struggles and there are internal struggles. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, just speak peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord smile upon you and give you his peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. Believe in God. Believe says Jesus also in me 
And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen.